If you have a worship folder, inside is the, the, the outline today with most of the verses. Um, but I want to say beforehand, congratulations, it's daylight saving time, it's a March blizzard, and here you are. And I know some of you think you're in the first service. We won't tell. Just can't laugh at the people who come after this service thinking that they're coming to the second service. Um, first service was, it, they were troopers to be here. It was a little thin, um, but they were troopers. But I told them a story, and, and I think I want to tell you this too. Some of you have heard this, but um, I, because I was thinking this, and this God brought this story back to my mind um, as I was watching the weather on, the, on four different weather apps, because every one of them is different. And what I want to do is pick the one that I like, but really that doesn't make it change. And so I'm watching this, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, oh, God gave me this thing today and nobody's going to be there. And God reminded me of a story. Before many of you were born, I was in a band. And we would sing, we would go to different churches and venues and sing Christian music. And we had done a tour and we had done some concerts. And we were going to have a concert in, um, in Minneapolis at Minnehaha Academy. And it was set up for like two to 3,000 people. Um, three to 4,000, I'm sorry, about three to 4,000. The whole gym was set up, bleachers and everything. And we were going to do this concert. And then a guy was going to speak. And then we were going to kind of finish off. This evangelist guy was going to speak. And so we were so pumped about this. We had been praying about it for just months and months and months. And um, concert started at 7. And um, so we go out there at 6 to see how big the line was outside the door, you know. There was nobody there. It's like, okay, okay, it's an hour early, you know. They're, they're Scandinavian. It's, they're going to all come at the last minute anyhow. And so um, 6.15, we go out and peek again. Nobody's there. 6.30, we go out thinking, surely there will be tons of people out there. Now. And there's nobody there. We're getting a little bit concerned now. At quarter till, there was still no one there. We blocked off the back half of the gym so it wouldn't look so bad, you know. But we got, we got back there and a guy comes in, one of our band guys comes in. And he says, I just heard on the radio, KTIS is av- advertising this huge event that's taking place like on the other side of town right now it's like five till we go out there we're peeking out the doors nobody's there guy comes running people are here people are here two people (laughs) two people so we're in the back room praying and what we had decided was in, in the in the in the the course of praying what we decided was it doesn't matter we're here they're here we're going to go. So we, came, we just decided we're just going for it. We came out and it's, it, they were right about there, front row, nobody else anywhere, just them, front row. I said, I know it's going to be a little weird, but we're just going for it. We're glad you're here. So we sang our hearts out and guy got up and spoke, which I'm sure is weird. How do you not just it's the whole time, <laughs> you know, you talk to them. He tried to look around, but we all knew you're not looking at anybody. There's nobody else there. Those two people came to Jesus. And got saved. And it's like, doesn't matter whether there was two or 200,000 there. It mattered. So somebody asked me, are, what, if it really does snow 10 inches tomorrow, are you going to cancel? I said, no, I'll be here. And if one other person shows up, that's good enough. So here we are, but I'm thrilled to see how many people are here. You're just real troopers. Um, we're in week five of Moving Past Your Past. This is part five of a four-part series. 
So um, we've talked about labels and how to move past the labels that you have been given in the past. We've talked about forgiveness and how it's very important for us to be able to forgive those who've hurt us, those things from the past like that. We've talked about, third week, about apology and how sometimes we're the ones who needs to do something because we've hurt somebody in the past. And then last week we talked about failures, about how do you move past a failure when we've had that failure in our life. So in this series, one of the things that's come into play often is the idea of forgetting. So uh, in many areas, forgetting is very important. And for me, that's good news. Because I like to say, I have a good memory, but it's short. (laughs) I don't remember a whole lot. Actually, this kind of a side note, did you know that one of the main things that makes a good marriage is when each of the people in the marriage have a good forgetter. Extremely important. But here's one of my biggest problems. I only remember what I don't want to remember. And I forget the things I should remember. And so over the years, it's been with me forever. And so over the years, I've tried to come up with all these different methods to remember things and, and apps and how I write stuff down and, and gotten a little bit better. At, at some things, but how many of you would say you can be like that as well? We remember the things that we should forget, but we forget the things that we're supposed to remember. How many of you have ever forgotten an important date like an anniversary or a birthday? Yeah, that, that never ends well. Um, my anniversary, that's never going to be an issue. When Julie and I got married, it's, we're coming up on 36 years. When we got married, that was the day when you didn't do your taxes online. Oh, yeah, there was no online. <laughs> And you would, you would if, you, if it was a last-minute thing, you'd go down to Minneapolis and get in line at the post office to make sure your tax return was stamped with the date because it had to be in on April 15th. And we got married on April 16th, and I, you've heard me talk about this because it happened again last year. Major, major record snowfall. So we were in the, in the snow, I mean separately. She was doing it, I was doing it, but we were downtown Minneapolis the night before our wedding dropping off tax returns so they got it, the correct stamp date on them. And then we were married April 16th, so I'm not forgetting that. Birthdays, however, are another issue. When I was growing up, they, who cared? It's a birthday, it's the day you came out, who cares? They, it was just no big deal. I remember, I I don't know if Julie and I were dating or engaged at that point, but her family had a birthday party for me. And they said something about the birthday party. It was like, how how does this compare to your other birthday parties? And I looked at them and said, well, it's the first one I've ever had. I had never had a birthday party because birthday parties were no big deal. So consequently, I didn't remember birthdays, like not even my own, but nobody else's. I discovered that in that family and kind of in this area, birthdays are kind of a big deal. I learned that the hard way, by the way, (laughs) that you have to remember when birthdays were. So I now have a system that works for me such that I am often the one who reminds people when other people's birthdays are in family. So now that I've said that, I've jinxed it, and it'll never work again. But for the moment, it's working for me. So remembering things or forgetting things is really what we're going to talk about today. Last week, I read what Paul said to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3, here's what he said. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus has possessed me. 
No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. And remember I said I think it's funny that he says, I focus on this one thing, and then he says two things. (laughs) But they're tied together. Here's what we do. Forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. What's right in front of you is literally what that means. The future. He says, forget that past that's dragging us down, that's hurting us. Look toward the future. Look toward what lies ahead. I press on, he says, verse 14, to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You don't get near the end of the race and spend your time looking and say, I had a great start there, didn't I? (laughs) Because you want to finish well. And that's what he said. You got to stop looking back here. You got to look ahead, run the race so that you can receive the prize that Jesus called us for. So we talked for four weeks about forgetting. I'm fairly good at that, as I said. But what does this passage say we're supposed to forget? We forget the things behind. We forget the past. The past that keeps us from straining toward what is ahead, toward the future, the prize. That is what moving past our past is all about. So breaking the labels that bind, those things in our past, the way people have labeled us, the things they've called us, the things we've labeled ourselves with. We talked the first week about how to break past those things, how to get... Um, out of that rut. We talked about forgiving and how what we do with those people who have hurt us in our past and how often that just keeps us like mired down instead of being free. We talked in the third week about apologizing because not only have people hurt us, but we've hurt other people. And how do we do that? We can get past our past by doing that. We talked last week, and all these are online. You can go to um, iloveourchurch.com or journeyinourchurch.com, and there's a link there to get you a couple different places you can listen to all these. We talked last week about past failures and how we've all had those things that we've done, you know, we're not proud of, that just didn't turn out well. And, and the, the main thrust last week was, I am not what I've done. My identity is not what I've done. I am who God says I am. Hugely important. And, and so what this is about, when we talk about moving past our past and forgetting, it's not living in the past. It's not allowing that past to control us, to hold us down, to paralyze us. We talk about pressing on and moving forward. So learning from, but pressing on, moving past. We have to leave the past in the past. We have to move past it, forget it, move ahead. But sometimes there are some things that we need to remember even to help us move on to the next step, to get out of where we're at. There are some things that we have to remember. And I know some of you are now thinking, okay, man, you just told me for four weeks how I'm supposed to forget. Now you're telling me I have to remember. It's important because all through the Bible, there are things that we have to remember. Imperatives that say, remember this. Um, Like literally hundreds of times, uh, remember or a form of the word remember is used Often when, he's, when God's talking to the nation Israel, he tells them to remember. He says, you remember, you were slaves in Egypt. And you remember, you used to be slaves, but look what God did. He freed you. He got you out. He led you through the wilderness miraculously by day and by night with the pillar of fire and with the cloud. And he provided for your food and he did all this. Remember what he, what he did for you. He tells us all throughout the Bible. Here's what you need to remember. You need to remember, you know, we talked about, you need to remember the things you've done wrong, but we need to remember what God did for us. It's very easy if you're in a position where you're in a situation where things aren't going quite the way you'd like, it's very easy to forget what God has done in the past. 
One of my favorites is Psalm 105.5. The first part of that verse um, says this, Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles. Because if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you know you've experienced some of those wonders, but we forget them. And we forget in the middle of what we're going through what he did, and so we forget he could probably do that again, but we forget that because we don't remember the wonders that he's done. We don't remember the miracles. Or remembering what it was like, I like to say, remember what it was like B.C. for you, before Christ. What it was like for you. This is not on the screen, but let me just read from Ephesians 2. This gives you a little bit of insight into what we remember. In verse 12, he says, Remember that at that time, before you knew Jesus, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We remember where we've come from. We remember what we were like. There are many things that we're supposed to remember. So here's, here's where this came from today. This wasn't going to be this today. That's why it's part five of a four-part series. Last week, I was, before I came up to speak, I'm sitting in my office, I'm sitting at my desk, and, and it's nice that I have my notes on an iPad because I can turn the lights in my office off. And I'm just alone, I'm in the dark, but I can see them. It's really cool. I was praying I was asking God for the power and strength that I need to have to, to have him shine through to be able to give this message. And right in the middle, before I came up to speak last week, God pretty clearly impressed upon me the main theme of the message today. And, and he doesn't usually do this. He even told me what song to close with. And it's interesting. I have the song printed in, in, in a sheet in the back of my Bible. I've had it there for a number of years now. Um, but I was pretty excited because a couple things got tied together. It kind of began a little bit before that. We have a a number of small groups going on here. We have a men's small group that's been going on for like ever. They've been going on for like a decade. And some amazing things happening there. A lot of guys kind of sometimes come and go, different things happen, but I've heard so many great stories of life change come out of that group. They were starting a new study, and... um, it was on a topic that I've taught on that I was a little familiar with, and they asked me if I could come and talk about it um, for, this, for the first time they met, and they were going to study the book of Revelation. Now, on one hand, that made me very excited because that's the thing that God used to bring me to him over 40 years ago, very exciting to me. On the other hand, kind of hadn't looked at it in a while, and I was pretty scared. And it was interesting because they were all excited for me to come, and I was like, oh, I was scared to death to come there. They were going to ask me questions I couldn't remember, and so because I don't have a good rememberer, okay? And so I read through some of it again so that I could just re-familiarize myself with it. And I tell you, I just had a blast doing that. But I read through it, and I have an app for it, but I also have a Bible that's called a Discovery Bible, I use the app on my computer a little bit more now because it has a little bit more stuff. But I read through it in that because it has a bunch of, they're called helps, literally, um, that help with original meaning and emphasis and different things where you don't have to know Hebrew, you don't have to know Greek. All you have to do is is read this in this context and it helps explain some of those things. So I want to give you a couple examples just so that you know what I'm talking about when I talk about this. For instance, if I want to emphasize something, There's a number of ways that I can do that, aren't there? If I was speaking, I could say the word louder, and you would know that I'm emphasizing it. Sometimes I could emphasize the word by saying it softer. 
And you would know that there was attention being called to that. If you were writing instead of talking, you could do it in italics or even typing. You know, you put it in italics. You could put it in um, all caps or you could put it in bold or you could highlight it. When the Bible was written, they kind of didn't have that option. Not a lot of computers back then. The written word of God, those weren't an option, but the language, especially that the New Testament was written in, but the whole thing is such an amazing, colorful language. They can, they can bring those things out in ways that we can't in English because it's very important to be able to convey, for instance, like I said, emphasis because subtle things can make a difference in how we understand you, I can say a sentence, and depending on where the emphasis was, it can mean something different. Here's an example up on the screen. It says, I think Paul can. That's just, it's pretty basic. It's just a simple statement of fact. There's no emphasis. But watch what happens when, when I change the emphasis. The first one says, I think Paul can. That's totally different. That means, maybe you don't think so, but I do. That's what that means. If I emphasize the second word, I say, I think Paul can. That means, you know, I guess he can, but I'm not positive. We'll see. I think he can. If I emphasize Paul, then it's, I think Paul can. That means maybe other people can't do it, but Paul, on the other hand, can. You see, that's totally different. There's only four words, so now we'll emphasize the last word. I think Paul can. If I tell you, I think Paul can. That means I don't doubt his ability. I think he can do it. Same four words, and they can mean something different, and our response to them would be different because the emphasis is different. Does that make sense? Then there are verb tenses. Now, stop right, right here. Don't check out. I know the minute I said verb tenses, you thought, oh, good, I need to catch up on my nap. <laughs> I ain't trying to make you feel like you're in school, okay? I just want to show you there's a little bit more color in the Bible than you might think. So, for instance, it, it's time for your kid to do your homework. I, I know I'm supposed to say child. Kid is a baby goat. But I've said kid all my life. So your kid's got to do his homework, okay? It's time for him to do the homework. So one of the things you might say is turn off the TV. Now, what does that mean? It means turn off the TV, right? Does it mean turn it off forever? Depends on how long it takes him to do his homework. <laughs> probably not, though. It probably means now, a point in time, turn off the TV right now. doesn't necessarily apply to tomorrow or later on this evening, but right now, turn off the TV. But all I said was turn off the TV because a verb tense can make that change. Or a teacher might say, read books. Now, they, they may be saying, pick up your book and open it and read it, but they may just be saying in general, as a lifestyle change, you should read books. And it's something that if I ask you 10 years from now, are you still doing it? You'd say, yes, I read books. That's a different verb tense. You see the difference? I, I know little subtleties can often make a big difference in how we understand, but that means they can make a difference in how we understand what the Bible says and how we obey it. So extremely important. All that to say, I use this tool, the Discovery Bible, that I have when I read to help me see those things that could make that little subtle difference, that might change how I think about it, and might change how I respond to it and what I do, and I just want to share that with you today. So I'm going to read it and what I got out of it from those little subtleties. I'm actually going to read um, from Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read the first three verses, but they won't be up on the screen. 
It's not until I get to verse 4 that we'll be up on the screen, but 1 through 3 kind of set up what we're talking about. So I'm not going to get into all the details of this because this is not a sermon on Revelation right now. But Jesus, um, in, in John writing the book of Revelation, Jesus has this message for each of the churches, and he says, um, these seven churches, here's what I want to tell them. There's a different message for each, and we can get something out of each one of them. And it, the, the wording is, is kind of weird sometimes, but it's kind of fun. He says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, now, that could be a literal angel. It could be angel means messenger, so it could be the pastor. But he's writing to this church in Ephesus, and he says, uh, he's talking about himself, about Jesus. The, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Each of these churches had this lampstand symbolic thing that represented who they were and what they were accomplishing and what they're doing. And Jesus is like walking through the middle of this, and he says, I know your deeds, which means I know what you're doing and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. These people who had kind of crept into the church and they, they might have even been in leadership positions and they were not who they said they were. They were not trying to do what they said they were doing. They were taking things the wrong direction. And this church was able, through the power of the Spirit, to see through that. And they stood up against them and they said, no, that's not the truth. This is the truth. And he says, verse 3, and you have perseverance. You've endured for my sake and you haven't grown weary. So we read through that. And I can imagine if you're at the church in Ephesus and you're reading this for the first time, you're going, oh, yeah, we're, we are pretty good. We do some good things. And it was true. They were doing good stuff. The problem is, verse 4 Starts with that word that always just mixes everything up. But. But, Jesus says in verse 4, I have this against you. And I emphasize the word this because in the original it's emphasized. You, you don't see that reading the English. But this, this Discovery Bible lets you see that there's a little bit of emphasis on that. But I have this against you. You've done all these great things. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. And in the Discovery Bible, both of those words are in bold red because there is something in the original language that tells you this is the main thing of everything in this whole passage. It's about your first love. And we need to, as we're reading this, we need to say, okay, if it's really that important, what does that mean? You've left your first love, your foremost love. It's protos. You've left your, your, the, the thing that comes first, your number one love in your life. I told you every day I read through my gut talk declarations in my notes. And the first one is Jesus is my number one. That's my first one. That, that I exist for him, to serve him. I read through that every single day. And one of the reasons is because it's easy to slip. And that's what had happened to the church at Ephesus. They had left their first love. Now, they were still doing good things. From the outside, they looked like a good church. They were accomplishing good things, but they had left their first love. So the next verse kind of says, and here's what we can do about that. So verse 5, therefore, because that's where you've slipped from. You're doing these good things, but that first love is not where it used to be. Therefore, remember. Remember from where you've fallen. Now, when we read that, all we would read is, okay, I I have forgotten that, so I have to remember it. But 
that's just so that those English professors here who need to know it's, it's present indicative. But what, what remember means there is not just remember. It means keep on doing this. Make it a lifestyle. It's not just a point in time, one time thing. This remembering. You have fallen from that first love. Remember. That means from now until like forever, you're going to make this a lifestyle of remembering from where you've fallen. And one of the things I really love about the, the original languages is when they, some of these tenses, what they do is they say, okay, stop and use your imagination. That's kind of literally what it's saying to do. And in that word fallen, remember from where you have fallen, we are supposed to stop there for a second and we're supposed to use our imagination <coughs> and imagine the ongoing result of that action. It's a finished action. You've fallen. But we are now supposed to look at that and think, look what that has done. From that point until now, look at all of the things it's affected. So as a lifestyle, I'm going to remember from where we've fallen and see how that affects everything and and what that's doing, the, the ongoing result of that. He says, and repent and do the deeds you did at first. And it'd be really easy just to read through that and say, okay, I got to repent, I got to do this. The word repent and the word do are both in the same, um, the same tense and they're saying the same, um, it, it's, a, it's an imperative thing, but it's do this immediately, right now, decisively, but once again, every time the need arises. It's not just I do this once and I'm good to go. It's I repent and do what I did at first Every, I got to do it right this second, but I got to do it every time the need arises. And I discover that need as I'm remembering from where I've fallen. And the word repent, don't get all hung up on that. That's a scary word. It's kind of a religious word. And, and all I can ever think of is some guy downtown with a sandwich board. Repent, Jesus is coming. You know, repent, the end is near. The word repent, we've talked about this. It means change direction, go a different way. But literally, it means think differently afterwards. Let me explain. It focuses on a change of behavior after a change of thinking. So the first thing you do is you change your thinking, and then that changes your behavior. That's what repentance is. We change the way we think, and that changes the way we behave. So he says, remember as a lifestyle now from where you fall and see what that's done to you, and then repent and do, do is the same thing. It means decisively right now, but every single time it's called for, the deeds you did at first. And there's, there's emphasis on the word first. He would say, do what you did at first. And literally, here's how he would have said it had he been reading it, because it's a contrast emphasis, if you need to know. Do the deeds you did at first, not the ones you did before you came to Jesus, not the ones you've, did, you've done since you've fallen, but do the deeds you did when you first came to Jesus. Do the deeds you did at first. That's what we're getting back to. That's what we're going to remember. And then this is a scary part for me. Here's how important it is. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. And and repent here is, it's like you picture it as checked off, okay? From now on, I'm doing that. That always scared me. I remember the first time I read that, that, I didn't know what that meant. I'm going to remove your lampstand. And, and you know all that would come to my mind, and I think it's pretty accurate. He's going to put your lights out. You know what? I, I have had, I don't know what word to use. I have seen this happen in, in three different churches now, that they did not remember 
They did not repent and do what they did at first. They kept doing their thing. Even though they were doing good things, they had lost their first love, and God put their lights out. All three of those churches are closed. They were doing amazing things for God, but they lost their first love. It's not an idle threat. It's a big deal. And so if it's that big a deal, what am I going to remember? How am I going to get back that first love? So the question then is, are we supposed to remember the past or forget the past? It depends. If you're taking notes, these are probably the weirdest notes you've ever taken in this church. Here's your fill-in for today. Remember to forget, but don't forget to remember. Are you thoroughly confused now? Remember to forget because there are things that we're supposed to forget. And if you're like me, sometimes those are the things you don't forget. We remember the things we're supposed to forget and we forget the things we're supposed to remember. So remember to forget what you're supposed to, but don't forget to remember. Because we remember the bad, but it needs to be for a purpose. We remember the bad, and, and we talked about the labels and the forgiving and the apologizing and the, the, the failures that we had. But remember that so that we can forget what is behind and move on. Very important. Not living in the past. Not allowing the past to control us or hold us down or paralyze us, but pressing on and looking forward ahead of us to the future. So we remember the past and we look forward. But there are some categories of things that we need to remember. Because in truth, they help us to move forward. They help us to look forward. So we need to remember the good. I touched on this a little at the, at the beginning. Remember Ephesians 2? We remember the good that God has done for us. And I'm not going to even read any of this or get into it right now. But if you're taking notes, write down Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is one of the greatest psalms to read, a great one to meditate on, to help you remember what he's done for you, to help you remember what's, where you've fallen, to help you remember all of the amazing things that he's done, to help you remember his forgiveness. That's the, the, the psalm that says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he separated our sins from us. But that whole, that whole psalm is a great one to meditate on for us to remember the amazing things that he has done. But then there's what John warned us to remember in Revelation 2. And that's, remember when it was better. When our love for God, when our, our relationship with him, when our connection with him was better. When he truly was our first love. And sometimes we have gone on for a long time not even thinking about that. We forget about that because the things we're doing are good. We're doing good things. But if he were talking to us audibly, he'd say, but you've left your first love. Yeah, you're doing good things. But remember when it was better? Remember that connection was better and the excitement was there? And, and I truly was your first love because I think that there are way too many people and many maybe listening right now who, if you were really honest, you'd say, I've kind of left my first love. Maybe, maybe you remember what it was like when you first came to Jesus, when he accepted you, when you thought you were accepting him and you discovered um, that he was accepting you. And he was forgiving your sins. He was giving you hope. 
and a future. And a change happened and you had a love and you had an excitement that was contagious. And you loved and served out of that. You loved and served others because you were loved. And you were so in love with Jesus that it just spilled out all over. We look back and we remember that before that, the BC thing, we were going in the wrong direction. We were headed nowhere fast. It was bad. And then we met Jesus. And it became good. And that doesn't mean the situations all changed and all of a sudden everything was roses and pretty and your finances were all straight and all the relationships were good. All it means is you had Jesus and you knew that he had the power to work through those things and you had an excitement about that. But then somewhere along the line, it got bad again. And it's usually not a boom kind of fall. It's usually a slow fade. It's usually a making little choices here and there. Well, we talked about this. Um, I came from not the city, but not the country. You know, I didn't come from a place where driving down the road, you had to watch because the cow could have gotten through the fence and been in the road. You know? But I remember hearing this story when I first got here, and it's just it's always stuck with me. That here's what, here's, if you want to get inside a cow's head, here's, here's what cows do. Um, they're eating, not right now because there's like this much snow, but when there's grass, they're eating. And, and it's like they're not thinking real far ahead, okay? They're eating. And so, oh, look, here's some. They eat over here. Oh, look, here's some. They eat over here. And as they're going, they, there's a hole in the fence, but there's some really nice grass. So they kind of wander over here. And, and at some time when it's time to come home, here's what I think happens. They lift their heads up. Where am I? How did I get here? You grazed there. (laughs) That's how people move away from their first love. They graze there. They don't intend to end up somewhere far away. They just keep doing this and they keep doing this and one day they lift their head up and it's like, where am I? What's happened? And they realize they've lost their first love. It usually happens slowly. So we remember back and we see what went wrong and we correct it. We change our thinking and our actions. That's what it tells us to do here. Remember when it was better and turn back. I love this translation of Revelation 2.5. God's Word translation says it like this. Remember how far you have fallen. Return to me, Jesus says. Return to me. Change the way you think and act. Not just one of them. You first change the way you think, and then you can change the way you act and do what you did at first. That means when you first came to Jesus, when that excitement was there, do that again. I'll come to you and take your lampstand from its place if you don't change, is what he's saying to us. So this is a big deal. So I don't know. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. I'm going to kind of warn you. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. But I'm going to ask you to do something very difficult for a few moments. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want you looking around because I don't want anybody to think that everybody's looking at you. I I just want you to... It's right now in this room, uh, it's just you and God. Because you are either right where you need to be or you need to remember and repent. Maybe you've come to Jesus, maybe you understand that, but you look back and you say, I think I've probably grazed away and I'm not, I don't have that first love like I did. And you get that. 
But maybe, maybe it's not that you need to remember and repent. Maybe when we talk about remembering what it was like to have that first love, that, that new, fresh, alive relationship with God through Jesus who loved you and accepted you and empowered you, maybe you've never had that. Maybe you've never experienced that. And maybe when you hear me talking about breaking the labels that bind about forgiving those who've hurt you, about apologizing for the things you've done, about those past failures, and you're not what you've done, you're who God says you are. When you hear about not living in the past or allowing the past to control us or hold us down or paralyze us, but pressing on and move forward, maybe you've never personally met the God who makes that all possible. If not, today is your day. You can come into a relationship with a God who has been waiting there with his arms open wide since before you can remember. And you say, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but he does. And he wants you to experience that first love. He wants you to discover what that would mean. Just listen. Keep your eyes closed and just listen as I read from Ephesians 3. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. When you come to Jesus, that's what happens. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So if you've never taken that step, today is your day. In simple faith, where you sit, from your heart, you can say, Jesus, I don't understand all this, but I want that. I believe that what you did was for me. When you came and lived a sinless life and died on a cross, you didn't pay for your sins. You were paying for mine. And I don't understand that, but I accept that. I believe and I receive. I'm accepting you as my Savior. I want to live for you as my Lord. I I have not gone the right direction and I need you. And you will come into a relationship with him when you do that, that your life will begin to change. You will become a new creature, a new creation. But your life will begin to change as God takes over. As you learn what you were made to do and you understand what forgiveness and freedom is and you understand what purpose is. And if that happens to you today, please don't keep that to yourself. I want you to share that with us. Tell us that because we're all in this together. Maybe you've already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief. But you realize you've grazed away. You realize you've left that first love, the excitement, the love, the wonder. It's just not there. And you need to look back and remember and change the way you think and do. Father, You know every heart here. You know every heart of every person who's listening to this right now. And my prayer is that we would hear what you are saying to us and that our answer to you would be yes. If it's to come to you, that today in simple faith, we would come to you. We would experience your love and your grace and your forgiveness. And we would be on that road that leads to heaven. And Father, for those who have already made that choice and received you, but they've wandered away, that today would be the day that they rely on you as they remember what you've done, that they can get that back. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
We're going to do a closing song. This is a song that last week before I came up to speak, God said, here's a song you're going to do. So I had to ask. Um, these, these two have done this song before. And I remember the first time they did it for me, I cried like a baby. And it moved me so much. I actually have the words to it printed in the back of my Bible. There's only a handful of things in there, but this is one of them. Because I don't ever want to lose that wonder. I want to be able to get back to him because he wants me to come back to him. So I'm going to have you stand and sing this with him.
didn't I tell you? <laughs> don't forget what you're supposed to remember. Don't remember what you're supposed to forget, but don't forget what you're supposed to remember. I want you to be able to remember the wonders he has done, his miracles. I want you to be able to look back and remember that and say, I still have that first love. And maybe you lost it. It's, today is the day to begin getting it back. Today is the day to begin to have that relationship with him to where there is so much love between you and him that it's just spilling out on everybody else. And if you've never met him, today is your day. You can come into a relationship that will not only change your life, it will change your eternity. When we remember back, one of the things we don't do is rest on our laurels. Live on past (laughs) victories. If I ask you, what is God saying to you? And you tell me something he told you 10 years ago. We have a problem. Because he wants to have that relationship with you every day. Remember how far you fall and return to me. Change the way you think and act. And do what you did at first. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Love that is, as we sang earlier, is is just a, a reckless love that will never give up on us. It will climb any mountain. It will cross any ocean. It will do anything to reach us. Father, I thank you for that. And my prayer is that we would be able to continuously live in that love. That it would not be said about us that we have lost our first love. But that we have remembered we, as a lifestyle. We are remembering back. We remember where we've fallen from and we say, I want that back. And we change the way we think and act so that we can have that first love back. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in us. And I thank you for what you're doing in this community through us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.